Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on the things we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. Pastor Alex, we're back at it again. All right. We are uh, just enjoying Mark. There's so much to talk about and so much to do. Yeah, especially when you give me like four little sections in one Sunday. Then there's there's lots that doesn't make it into the sermon. It gives us lots to talk about. <laughs> Sounds so. like a complaint. No, not at all. Oh, it's I, a, it's a, I love podcasting. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. The, there's so much to do in all of these books. We could preach Mark in like five years if we wanted to. Well, that's like John Paper, Pi, John Paper, John Piper is famous for like saying, we're going to do a one year series in Romans. And he like was four or five years into yep. it. Like, oh, maybe I should get through this book. Yep. But there's, there's a lot in Romans. There's a lot in Mark. There's a lot in all these The books, whole but. Bible is full of just little nuggets and tidbits that you could go on and on and on, which is part of why we've moved some of them to the podcast. It's not that these things are un, unimportant or that they're not valuable. They're very valuable. They're just not necessarily things that people would you know, want to spend three hours on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> just sitting and taking notes because we keep preaching and preaching and preaching. Yeah. So we move it here. So for this episode, what are we talking about, Alex? Yeah, so we looked at uh, Jesus cleansing the temple, and that's bracketed by the fig tree thing. Uh, but there there are just a few things with Jesus in the temple, I think, that are interesting to point out. The first I wanted to point out is this is an example of what we'd call righteous anger, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, anger in itself is not sinful, right? In your anger, do not sin. That's right. Oh man, I should I should know that reference off the top of my head. I don't. Chris is going to look it up while I while I keep talking here. Uh, you know, I remember I went to a very small Lutheran school in a suburb of Detroit, first and second grade, and I I specifically remember the teacher saying, you know, somebody's like, oh yeah, Jesus never sinned in in our little Christian school Lutheran school. Our teacher said, well, you know, Jesus did did do one sin, and we we're all like, what is that? Well, when he you know made the whip and threw people out of the temple and that wasn't very nice and so that was his one sin i i think her theology was off slightly yeah uh <laughs> because you know jesus did he did get very angry and in his anger uh overturned tables mm-hmm. and drove people out and in you know i'm reading in mark 11 but in the parallel passages you know put together a whip to get people out. That's how important this was to him. That's how important yeah. the the purity of the temple and the temple area was. And so, I mean, we have other examples of righteous anger in scripture, like when Saul got mad and cut up that cow and sent all the pieces and said, if you don't join me mm-hmm. in protecting the Lord's interests here, I'm going to make you like this cow. Like great examples of how anger can be used to do the righteous thing. And it's not like, oh, God's using the sin here. No, it is not sinful to be anger and in be angry at the correct things, be angry at the things God's angry at, and then to do something drastic because you need to fix a wrong. Yeah, and I think that 
the question then becomes, why was Jesus so angry? And I think for us to just step back for a second, your teacher, while she had terrible theology, I understand why people are hesitant because it does feel little nasty that Jesus gets as angry as he does. Right. But why is he angry? Well, we have records that show that what the people are charging people for sacrificial goods at this time are four, five, six times as much as they should be. Yeah. This is this makes me think of like amusement park markup here. Oh, totally. Right. So imagine you're going to the temple to do sacrifices. It's your once a year pilgrimage. This is during the season of Passover, so there's tons yeah, our, of people. our particular passages. Yep. 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 Yeah, our yeah, sorry, our, our particular passage. And so if you didn't or couldn't bring your lamb from mm-hmm. I don't know, Nazareth mm-hmm. with you, it's a long journey and you gotta yeah. drag this lamb and oh man, it, it broke its leg on the way there. Great. Now I don't have a lamb yeah. to sacrifice. Like what are you gonna do? Yeah. It's convenient for you. Just like in the amusement park, you're stuck there and you need, you know, uh a hamburger and here's like a $15 hamburger that's like a tiny little patty in a bun and that's it. Or, you know, what, what was that pizza we bought that one time at six oh, yeah. with the youth group? It was like $30 for a whole pizza or something. It was delightful. Yeah. Two pizzas for $65. Yeah. But they gave us a free salad. Oh yeah, that's right. They did throw in that that's free <laughs> salad. And they felt so proud of themselves when yeah. they gave us. That's because but, they sold two salads that whole day. So <laughs> Well, and, and the difference there is that's just eating at an amusement park. This is forgiveness for your sins right. or being a part of a major part of being an Israelite. And so if you're leaving your hometown where you have a dozen lambs, but you just know you can't get there, and you show up and the lamb, the running price in your town of the lamb is, let's just say $12, just, just to throw some ridiculous yeah. figure out, and you show up in Jerusalem thinking, I've got to get a hotel, I've got to pay for food, I've got to pay for, you know, maybe some people are going to take you in and give you hospitality, but then you turn the corner and you find out the lambs are going for $120 this yeah. week. It's, the, it's incredible. And, and where I get with the, the theme park thing is it's the opportunistic chance to make more money off you. Like yeah. that's that's what they're going at here. There's There's an opportunity here where I can price gouge because you're in a situation where you're, you know, somewhat desperate or you're paying a high, high price for a mild convenience. Right. And on top of that, so you have Jesus overturning the tables of the seats to those who sold pigeons. So he's getting at that. But also the money changers. So not only did they charge these high prices, but they had they had created their own currency with their own exchange rate that could allow them to make money off the money itself. So not only are you being charged a high rate for the goods that you're buying, right. but you have to exchange into So you're taking a hit at the first end just to get the right money, and then you're taking a hit again. Yep. And, you know, it's one thing if you are going to be entertained or going to be amused, right? And that's, that's expensive. Right. But it's another thing when these guys are taking this opportunity for the worship service and the worship of people, of God's people, and they're using that as their opportunity to gouge people and make a lot of money for themselves mm-hmm. and for the temple. That's what Jesus flips out about. It's interesting, as I was doing some reading in this in this passage, working on the sermon, there are a few guys who actually were more on Jesus being upset as to the location 
where they were doing it. Even one of them suggested if they would have done all this outside the temple area, Jesus would not have had a problem with it. It's like, I don't really get that picture. I think, yeah, I think it's both here. I think it's what they were doing and where they were doing and it. where they were doing I agree. it because it says he would not allow them to carry anything through the temple. And then he teaches them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer. So it's where they were doing it. But look at this next statement that Jesus says. It will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Yep. Wow. So that's a quote from Isaiah 56, verse 7. These I'll bring to my holy mountain and make a joyful and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted at my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Verse 8, the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Mm -hmm. Which, Jesus makes this statement. This is a, like, mind-blowing statement to the people that are hearing him for the for the first time or hearing him in the temple. So much so that, right, the, their response is uh, the chief priests, the scribes heard it. They're seeking a way to destroy him, but they're afraid because the crowd and, you right. know. They're like, we want to kill this guy because yep. not he he is cutting down their system. He's undermining their authority. He's undermining their s- source of revenue. But then, man, even more than all of that, he says, this is going to be a place for all nations. And at this point, all nations are not welcome no. in this area. And there's supposed to be a court to the Gentiles, but that is not open at this time. And part of the discussion as to why he's doing this where, some scholars have debated Maybe he's freaking out because they're doing this in the court of the Gentiles rather than letting the Gentiles worship there. Again, that's a possibility. It's not a super strong possibility, but there is an element of of truth there that Jesus wants the nations to be able to worship. They're not allowed to. You know what? Interesting fact that most people don't know is the Roman government didn't let local principalities determine death penalties, except in Jerusalem. (laughs) It was one of the few places in the world that the Romans allowed them to control their own thing. And the reason why they did it is they said the Jews are just different. So we're going to let them manage their own temple system. So that's why they keep going back to Pilate and Pilate keeps sending them back to the people with Jesus going, he's not on my, this is a religious issue. You guys deal with it. And they're like, well, we can't put him to death. And he's like, yeah, you can. And they're like, no, we can't. Fine, I'll put him to death, but this is the thing. So even that pushback that's going back and forth there, part of the reason why that's happening is because they, they they don't have the right to do so, or at least they don't think they do. But Pilate's saying, yes, you do. And the reason why he says, yes, you do, is there's a sign as you enter the temple in the first century that says, if you are not Jewish, you cannot pass this. And if you do, you will be stoned to death. So there is something so crazy happening at this site. They aren't allowing anybody else to worship unless you're Jewish. Even if you're a convert, even if you're from another nation and you've been circumcised, you've come into the people you're still not necessarily allowed to come in and enter here because they're afraid of ceremonial cleanliness and other things about being made unclean. So they're just like, you know what? It's just safer if nobody comes in. Can you imagine if we did that for church? If we were just like, we're not sure that any of you really should be worshiping today. We're not sure what you did this week. Maybe you weren't holy enough. So we're going to ask you to stay outside. We're going to worship just to be safe. Just be on the safe side. Us pastors who have fasted and prayed this week, we're going to actually spend the time worshiping. You guys can sit outside. Yeah. That uh, wouldn't go over. No, right. no. And it shouldn't. No, and it's it's crazy. Uh, Jesus, you know, Jesus is, is so important to him. 
in fact, John seven or yeah, John two seventeen says his disciples remembered that it is written, "Zeal for your house will consume me." So, so John adds that little comment. If you read the four, this is one of those things that's actually mentioned in all four gospels. Uh, John's the one that tells us he made a, a whip of cords, drove them out, and he poured out their coins. But what I think is really interesting is Mark is the only one that mentions prayer for all nations. Mm-hmm. So what do we think Mark might be trying to point at when he he makes that statement? Whereas in I'll just I'll just read the the different. You know, Matthew, Jesus says, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you but you make it a den of robbers. So just ends at house of prayer. Uh, Luke says, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. And Jesus in John says, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Mm-hmm. So Mark specifically wants to point out it's a house of prayer for all nations. I think that's part of the reason why people think that Mark is probably written to a specific Gentile audience. I don't know if I totally believe that because Mark has some interesting Jewish elements, but at the same time, it is talking about the nations. It's talking about people, all the people. I think Peter, if he's the one informing Mark as to how to think about things, he's starting to get a picture for what the whole bringing all the nations in is supposed to look like. And so Peter's pushing a button. I think another intriguing element here is if, if this is the John Mark that we know about, John Mark freaks out on the island of Crete for some reason and abandons Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journey and rushes back to Jerusalem to spend time with Peter. Yeah. Which is why I think he rushes back to Jerusalem to spend time with Peter. And then I think Peter sets him straight. I think John Mark is immature in his faith, doesn't understand that it's just for everyone. And so I think it's possible that Peter's telling this story and saying, I want you to know John Mark that this is what Jesus said as he cleared the temple. The other gospel writers may not have thought that detail was as important as maybe Peter did. Yeah. And so as Peter brings it out, John Mark goes, well, I'm gonna make sure to put that in here. And as John Mark is perhaps learning that very issue, right? That the nations are allowed to come to the Lord now, which would seem to be maybe his sticking point with being on with Paul and Barnabas in a Gentile location, freaking out for some reason and going back to Jerusalem. He might be going back going, no, 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 let's be Jewish, let's be Jewish, let's be Jewish. And, and Paul, Peter's going, no, 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 you missed the whole point. Let me reteach you this whole thing. And then John Mark goes, okay, yeah, I think I get it. And then it moves into the gospel. And then he's like, oh, that's what Jesus was actually trying to do. Right. I think it's very possible that John Mark, it's setting in his mind and he's going, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, let me make sure that I'm going to put this in here. And, and the Holy Spirit leads him to do so, of course. But then he goes, all right, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Your verses, Ephesians 4.26, by the way. Oh, thank you. I had it a while ago, and I I moved on to other things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I also think it's interesting, a little tidbit here. If you do go to Isaiah 56, verse 7 is the verse that Jesus is quoting. Um, The the term used for peoples there is ha'amim, which Mm -hmm. is just the plural. Am is the word there. Am means people. And... Typically, when we see peoples or nations, it's goy or goyim to make it plural. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was interesting here that this this verb is not to all the goyim, but to all the amim, the, mm-hmm. to all the peoples, all peoples. So that uh, peoples, that word can have the idea of like nations and tribes. But I would think goyim would be if it was more that really Jesus is in through Isaiah here saying this is for everybody, all people, 
everyone everywhere is welcomed into this. I, I just thought that was a little interesting tidbit to see Am in there instead of it, Cole. It's very interesting, and it kind of makes me wonder if there's an Abrahamic connection there, mm. right? Because Amim is coming from Am, and Abram means father of many. Yeah. Abraham means father of many nations. So I wonder if, if that's an intentional connection there for the Jewish readers to go, oh, that's the promise that God gave Abraham, that he would bless the nations through, which would make Jesus the fulfillment of that as the Messiah. I think that's a really interesting possibility. Yeah, yeah. So cool little verse, cool couple things in there. Um, but yeah, Jesus, this is how important this was for him. Worship is important for him, being able to access him, being able to access the Lord uh, enough to get angry about. It's all about worship. It's all about people having access to God. Yep. That's something to get mad about. Mm-hmm.